It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hour to go here, Mackie and Judd. Uh, right now is Judd and Manny Hill, who of course also is on the ride with uh, Patrick Royce. Intern uh, Max out here as well today. James Murphy producing things from back in studio. And James, why don't you uh, fire away with the first of three very, very important, controversial, and most importantly, relevant questions on the sports team. You think you oversold that just a bit? Oh, to- totally, but I got rolling and I didn't want to stop. Appreciate I didn't want to stop. Uh, so, Judd, last night you you spent uh, you spent the night fending off angry Gopher fans on Twitter. Earlier in the program, Judd, Thank God, I had about four beers to do it with. <laughs> Although I think I drank one too many because my head hurts this morning. In the in the your huge head, right? Your colossal yeah. size. Yes, my I I have a big noggin. Chili and Patrick are right. I have a big noggin. Uh, Drink a bottle of vodka the size of uh, Judd's head. <laughs> I just asked him. I said, you moved into first place for the first time. It was 2008, I believe. <laughs> they had beaten the Lions. And I said, Brad, are you going to do something to mark the occasion uh, that you moved into first place? Yeah, uh, Judd, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was it. All right, sorry. No, no, Murph? no, you're good. Uh, earlier, earlier in the show, in the 9 o'clock hour, you, Chip, and Doogie all predicted an underwhelming season of Golden <laughs> Gopher football. I want you to take some time for question one to address angry Gopher fan who feels the team is better than you think and that you're not being fair with the criticism. Um, well, unfortunately, that's a very, very small group, and it's delusional, and they've been defensive. You know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about this whole thing uh, with with our station. As we turn a very important uh, corner here, I'm thinking about rebranding myself as a and, – and your immediate thought's going to be to laugh because of the jokes about this. They're not funny. But I'm thinking about rebranding myself as sort of the sports pope, sports priest. And you can come to me with your Minnesota sports angst, almost like a confessional – and I will hear what you have to say. I will hear you vent and then give you absolution and tell you that it's not your fault you're mad, but you're wrong to be mad at me. Because <laughs> Gopher fan last night, and you know what? I could write anything I write. The, the end of that column was I hope they can turn this around eventually because before I have to be put in the dirt, I'd like to see a good Gopher football season. And at mm-hmm. 48, I'm becoming very concerned about all of this. Um, but Gopher fans still took that to be a slight against the Gophers because I'm not predicting great things for 2018, and I'm not drinking the uh, the Kool-Aid, despite the fact, you know why? You know why Patrick Royce sits on this stage and rips that program up and down? And I've always tried to explain this to people, and they don't listen to me. He does it because... The Gopher football program was one of his first loves. Mm-hmm. Patrick is only hard on things he absolutely really 
used to care about deeply, and that includes the Twins. Yes. It's like the Vikings. Royce really isn't that hard on the Vikings because I've always contended he doesn't really care that much. Mm-hmm. But his two two of his passions in life, and especially, I mean, he talks about his dad taking him to Memorial Stadium uh, again against Iowa, and he was kneeling behind the end zone back in the day and watched a great return and all of this. And so he's hard on, on them because they have basically fed him crap for how many years now? Fifty. Yeah, and and 50 so years. and so for golfer fan to get mad at me or get mad at Patrick or get mad at, at those of us who are sort of with you, I don't get. So what you need to do is you need to lighten up and you need to realize this is your lot in life and you've chosen it. This is your path, but don't get mad. It's either acceptance or get mad and bail. And you can't get upset when people are sitting back and say, like myself, I want to see this program do well. So do I. I we all do. But for me, it's like I've been watching them. I've been watching Gopher football for about 20. I'm 34 years old. I've been following Gopher football since I was about 9 or 10. Yeah. And I have not seen much. I've not seen much success. 9 or 10 was, was what year for you? Uh, 94. It was the Wacker years. Well, then, yeah. Then I, so, yes, I mean, then you get a complete. See, absolution for you. So I, I Manny remember, Hill, absolution. I remember being a naive 12-year-old kid. When Donovan McNabb and in uh, Syracuse came into the Metrodome, and the Gophers actually, even that was a decent Syracuse team, and the Gophers beat him to go three and zero, and I was more than excited as a twelve year old kid. I was pumped up were. that the Gopher football team was three and zero. Yes, they ended up four and seven that season. Purge that anger, Manny Hill. So I mean, look, I I I get it. I want to see this team do well. We all do. We all want to see. But this how team can you do drink? Well. But I, I, I can't. I'm not going to just drink the Kool Aid when. When I was a kid, I tried to drink the Kool-Aid, and I was let down year after year after year. I need to see it now before I actually believe it. I'm sorry. Call me crazy. And I would ask Gopher fans who get mad and defensive this. What are you getting mad and defensive about? Like, what have you seen? Why do you, why do you just blindly believe? If this team had had a great run, and this was, let's say, the fourth down year or something, and you're like, no, we're going to come back, I completely get that. But... Unless you are, unless you were an adult in 1967, mm-hmm. which makes you very old right now, <laughs> you have no reason. Unless you're just naive and really pretty stupid, you have no reason. You have no re- no basis to be mad at anybody but yourself and the program you follow. And until that changes, and I hope it does, we all want it to change. But to get mad at the media, come on. Completely misguided. We're not your enemy. People. Completely wrong. <laughs> and and if they make a Rose Bowl, guess who that helps? All of us. All of us. So anyway, Jay. Chad, all Gopher fan wants is for you to not have such a biased opinion and predict ten wins. Why can't you just do that? <laughs> I feel I feel bad. I told you the sports pope, the sports priest. I can't I can't be the pope because that's Francesa in uh, New York. I give you all my absolution and forgiveness. I forgive you for being mad last night. The Lake Erie Brewing Company helps me out to do that, too. Question two. Uh, We talked earlier at length about the move that the Saints made to solidify the quarterback position by acquiring Teddy Bridgewater from the Jets. 
My question for you guys, obviously Teddy is looking to be a starting quarterback in this league, and at least in the short term, that's not happening in New Orleans. So for New Orleans, is this move about a backup for this year, or or will they uh, try to convince Teddy that he is plan A come 2020? Well, I think with the future of Drew Brees, I mean, because he – what what deal? What kind of deal did Drew Brees? Did he get a two year deal? Two year deal. Two-year deal. Two-year and he's thirty nine. And he's going to be thirty nine. So I I think the Saints are just putting themselves in a position to where, if this is going to be the last year for Drew Brees, that they don't have any options at the end of the season because they didn't they didn't draft a quarterback. I don't think in this year's draft. I don't think they did. Yeah, and they had uh, Tom Savage was their backup in camp, oh, and God. then they've got another guy, a third stringer that they're going to hold on to. They okay, really see, like and just, he plays some special Hill, teams. I, I you, believe, you, you, right? Okay, thanks. You just yeah. said the name Tom Savage. See, now that <laughs> they're right in itself. Well, and that's that the means problem. you have no options, correct? Unless you, yeah. And if Breeze gets hurt, you're done, and you shouldn't be done. Right. So, I, I think this is a, a situation where they give themselves an option, and, and Teddy might not be the answer. Who knows? You know, we'll have to see him actually play and get, see him get an opportunity, but. I think more than anything, this just gives them an idea. Okay, at least we have something. If Drew Brees is, if this is going to be it for Drew Brees, we have somebody that will at least give us a decent chance, and then we can sort of reevaluate things as uh, next season approaches. Yeah, I think uh, James, it's twofold. I think uh, the first thing is they looked at their backup QBs and they said, "We got a really good team, and if Drew Brees gets hurt, we're we're destroyed." Everybody, oh all you got to do is look at the 2017 <laughs> Packers to say, yep. if our starting quarterback gets hurt, what happens? We're six and ten. And so I think that was I think that was the first thing. But I think the second thing is a year for Sean Payton to say to be Willy Wonka and say, Teddy, this can all be yours. You can have the land of quarterback. If you think mm-hmm. about it, I'm not trying to currently compare uh, Bridgewater and Breeze. But there are similarities in how they play this game. Sure. And I think when you get that playbook in front of, of Teddy, if you can say definitively we know Drew Brees has two years left or a year left, but after that this is yours, there might be incentive to sign there because that's a, it's a good offensive team. Peyton, I, I don't like Sean Peyton, but I think he's a very competent offensive type of coach. Mm-hmm. So I think what you're going to have is behind the scenes – with an aging but still very good quarterback, the ability to sell Teddy on a plan that you might want to consider staying here because we could very quickly morph the Breeze offense to the Teddy offense, and it wouldn't be some type of drastic, they play a very different game type of change. And think about this, too. In some ways, the career paths of Teddy and Drew Brees are kind of similar. They were both like the last pick of the first Major round. injuries caused them Major to leave injury the team. Major injury caused them to leave That's the good. team. And, you know, Drew Brees went to the Saints at 26, 27 years old and has turned himself into a Hall of Famer. And, you know, who knows? Same thing might be for Teddy. Who knows? Question three. All right. The Minnesota Timberwolves announced on Twitter today that they are bringing a classic jersey back into circulation. That would be the black alternate jerseys from the early 2000s. Those are the ones that are trimmed with the evergreen trees. Those are some of my favorites just because mm-hmm. I, that was when I became a Wolves fan watching uh, Latrell Sprewell was my favorite, but Kevin Garnett as well. <laughs> Got to feed my family. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. I don't even know why I liked Latrell so much, but those jerseys <laughs> were, were a big part of uh, of my childhood, that's for sure. My question for you guys, um, well, let me find it here. Uh, what are some of your favorite classic jerseys or uniforms, either local or otherwise? 
Mine's mm. simple. Vintage North Stars. Oh, yeah. But I'm of like course. you, Murph, in, in that sense. I grew up with that as a kid, and, right. and I loved it. Uh, Royce absolutely hates these, but you know what I liked? And, and once again, all of this is influenced by the through the lens of youth. Twins baby blue road uniforms in the 70s ah. into the early 80s. I really liked those. Patrick, I hate those jerseys. They were ugly. I like those, but nor- the North Stars jerseys that um, they actually debuted, especially the home whites, uh, the year after they went to the Stanley Cup Finals in 80-81 that had the N on the sleeve, it's a, it's a clean, great look. Mm-hmm. So that would probably go down as my, as my top local one. As far as my favorite jersey, I think it's a team that, as a kid, I hated. I think it's the Blackhawks. That's a great. <laughs> those original six are all good, but Montreal and Chicago, to me, uh, hockey-wise, are outstanding. Uh, the two for me that come to mind, they're both baseball, um, and we see, we see these two teams uh, actually wear these jerseys from time to time as kind of throwbacks. One is the San Diego Padres, the pinstripe. San Diego Padres ones that they wore in the 90s when they went to the World Series. Yes. They had Ken Caminiti and those guys. Yeah. Um, that, I, I love, though, and I love the old the old SD on the on the helmet, or uh, not the helmet, the uh, the cap and everything. That was great. And I saw the Angels wear their um, their 1980s throwback jerseys over the weekend. I, I saw a tweet about two. that. Yeah, I, I like those two a lot. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the ones they wore in the 80s when they were the old California Angels. I don't know how many teams... In in the history of sports, and there, there's a few, but how many teams have actually switched jerseys and improved them? Football-wise, yeah. I would always go old school. Chargers baby blues are fantastic. Yep. Why the, Why New England went away from Pat the Patriot, I will never <laughs> figure out. The Patriots for years now have worn that, I think they're ugly, nondescript, mm-hmm. and Pat the Patriot was outstanding. You know another one, too, staying on the theme of football is the Giants. When the Giants were wearing their, um, what are they called, the, the jerseys they wear on the Thursday night? Yeah. The the color rush jerseys. Yes. They have the old helmets, the old dark blue helmets with the giant, with the word Giants so, on there. Those are great. Those are fantastic. They and, need to go, go to those permanently. And the one team locally, the Vikings, man, when they wore in, when Favre was here for a couple of years, they wore throwbacks at home a, a couple times Oh, yeah, a year. yeah, yeah. Yes. The throwback, that look was so much better than anything dark, they've done the since. The dark purple helmet. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. look, that look a thousand times, and, and it's it's almost subtle in some ways. Mm-hmm. It's not massive, but it, it if they could have switched back immediately, I told them, I said, just switch back to these. Yeah. Why can't, we got to have a different look. No, you don't. The purple needs to be darker. I like the darker purple. Speaking of football, let's do this. Matthew Collar is out at the TCO uh, Performance Center covering the Vikings at practice, or he was. They actually play tonight against the Titans. Let's get an update on what's going on with the Vikings next from Collar. Mackie and Judd today from the porch at the State Fair is Judd and Manny. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. You like that? Play the football sounder, Murph. You got to play that. Football! Football! Yeah! Football! 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 And with that, Matthew Collar joins us. Matthew, you know, most of us look at the fourth preseason game and we yawn and make plans to do something that doesn't involve us watching that game. 
My guess is you're going to watch that game live, and then you're going to go back and watch it three times to break down every single guy who's trying to make this Viking roster. Is that a correct assessment? Uh, so I have just prepared my house with a bunch of footballs. I've got football candles that are being lit that smell like footballs. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to turn down the lights and turn on the game and, and DVR it so I can watch each play back. It's going to be great. And he's not kidding. He's not kidding. You, you, you probably are. You probably have cookies like in the shape of footballs, too, don't you, Matthew? I have heard that there's a place that makes a football-shaped pizza which probably would be a good choice for tonight. Did you buy your your wife an engagement ring that actually is shaped like a football? Because that's what I've heard, and I've never seen it, but I've heard that she wears a <laughs> ring, it's shaped like a football, because you said, I like you a lot, but, but what I really want is to be married to football. Yeah, and, and the inscription is married to the game underneath it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, all right, what what in your mind, uh, since the starters aren't going to play tonight, what is the uh, significance of tonight's game, and, and who who is this game, if there's a few guys, that it's probably most important for? Well, for one, they're just guys that you're wondering, are they going to play? Because last year we got a really interesting window into – Mackenzie Alexander, with the fact that he was playing in the fourth preseason game, it told you exactly where he stood in Mike Zimmer's mind. So will there be anybody that looks like they're supposed to be a starter or, or a direct backup who is out there playing the first half? Then we'll see maybe where they stand. And I guess the guy I'm thinking of for that is Kendall Wright. That you know, throughout preseason and camp, he has not done anything. I mean, he's got one catch. And through camp, uh, we haven't seen many outstanding plays that he's been involved with. He's been out there, and when somebody got dinged up or needed a break, he was the one that went in with the first team. But that doesn't necessarily mean that his roster spot is secured. Uh, however, the, the chances of somebody stealing his job at this point are, are kind of low because Brandon Dilstra hasn't done much either. He's missed a couple games. I, I don't think Chad Beebe is going to play tonight, which um, may hurt his chances a little bit. Caleb Jones got arrested Corey Robertson hasn't done very well. Jeff Baddett uh, appeared to get a concussion in one game. I mean, so it has been a really rough time past uh, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. And aside from that, though, you know, it, it's one of those things where guys on the bubble can make a, a case for themselves, guys on the bubble of the practice squad. The, the nickel corner for tonight, Craig James, is a guy to watch as someone who might make uh, the practice squad. Right, right off the beginning here, and, and Afadia Adenabo is another guy who had a really good game against Jacksonville, but they have so many good defensive linemen, he would have to make a very strong case. And then everybody on the offensive line, because I think it's still a possibility the Vikings acquire another offensive lineman. So if there's somebody that doesn't have a good night tonight, that could push the Vikings over the edge to look around at everybody else who's gotten cut or could potentially be traded. Matthew, we know that Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray have the one and two running back spots pretty much locked up. I don't think there was ever any question of that. But who's going to be the third guy, or who who sort of has the the inside track to being potentially being that third running back after uh, after tonight? Yeah, I, I think from the very beginning it was Mike Boone, and he's uh, been that guy aside from the first week of the preseason when Rock Thomas was really spectacular. But uh, we saw that Thomas didn't play in the last game, and Boone was, was pretty solid. And really, when I look at how he's played versus what he's been behind for an offensive line, 
Uh, a lot of his yards have come after contact, which I, I think is something you want. He can also catch out of the backfield. And he's a guy that looks like he has also a, a high ceiling like the, because his athleticism is so great that he might be more than just somebody who could fill in someday. Now, this team is pretty set at running back, but next year Latavius Murray probably isn't on this team, so they're also going to be thinking about the future. And with Rock Thomas, that could be part of it too, that if Rock Thomas has another great game tonight, that could convince them that they found two great undrafted running backs. And I don't know if they would keep five running backs on the roster, but you know, if they cut Thomas, maybe he comes back on the practice squad. Uh, but I, I think where they are, I, I've seen other people talking about it. Daniel Jeremiah had a tweet about it at one point. Just that uh, you know, where, the guys that they found here in undrafted free agency for running backs both could end up being uh, players and have impressed so far. So it's, it's one of those last chances for those two to kind of battle it out. But I think it would take a really, really awesome night from Rock Thomas for him to unseat Mike Boone for that number three spot. So, Matthew Collar, if I am uh, enterprising a GM of a National Football League team, and I have a guy named Kendricks on my team, and he's pretty doggone good, and I pursued his brother, and his brother uh, decided not to sign with my team but went to Cleveland, but now suddenly said brother is available uh, because he was charged with insider trading, which, by the way, in the legal system takes a long time to play out. Am I calling Michael Kendricks to, to sort of see, hey, if the league's not going to suspend you, there's a definite chance to upgrade at linebacker here. And if you're going, if you're going to do some time in a country club jail, you're probably not going to be doing that until next summer or so. <laughs> you know, uh, guys have done a lot worse and come back to play. So, yes. I mean, this seems like uh, he definitely did it. I mean, he, he admits to it. Um, so he may end up having to go to jail at some point. But like you said, that could be quite a ways from now. And, you know, the linebacker depth, I, I think, is better than we thought it was. Uh, ben Gideon is a solid player, but Eric Wilson has really stepped up to the plate. But beyond him, uh, you know, they don't have anybody else that I would say is untouchable there. And if you were interested in Michael Kendricks before, I don't see it necessarily as a, as a bad thing to consider to him here again i mean it opens up anthony Barr to move around and if you think about with george iloka why we love it so much is that it allows harrison smith to move around well bringing in michael kendricks would give you even more flexibility and if the browns just cut him because they were mad that he did not tell them what was going on i mean okay that's that's fine then i mean why not take advantage of of them but at the same time Michael Kendricks was also on Hard Knocks saying that, you know, the Cleveland Browns are more talented than the Philadelphia Eagles were that won the Super Bowl. And then he's got this thing going on, and he's much more, having met him, he's much more of a talker than Eric was, uh, or that Eric is. And I wonder if they would be concerned a little bit about how he would fit in a a defense that has an incredibly good culture. Um, But, I mean, aside from that, if you're looking for the most possible talent, yeah, I'm on the phone saying, "All right, so when are you going to go to jail?" <laughs> exactly. Okay. And I mean, you want to come? Yeah, want to come rush the passer? <laughs> it's bad you got caught, but you know, Michael. I mean, as as you you said, collar guys have done worse things, and you're just trying to make more money here. So yeah, if you could play for us for 16 games, that's fine. So it's an interesting yeah, it's it's an interesting scenario given the fact that I think this is going to take a long time legally to play out, and I also, my guess is he's going to flip on people, 
And so there's a very good <laughs> chance that the amount of incarceration time won't be as long as we think now because he's probably going to give the feds exactly what they want. It just it it it's interesting as opposed to he just got in trouble for drunk driving or something. Yeah, yeah, and I think about what they stuck with Michael Floyd through last summer and they got 10 catches out of him, yeah. but also You're right. you know they were willing to, to they were willing to draft Delvin Cook and he's turned out to be great here, but at the time there was some risk involved in bringing in Delvin Cook, and they, and they figured, hey, we could bring this guy in. We'll put him next to Terrence Newman and Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater with his locker, and uh, then we'll go from there. And, and it worked out. Uh, and, and maybe having uh, his brother here would be a difference maker. I, I love that idea. I mean, it's not going to cost you any money at this point, right? I mean, it's, he was maybe fairly expensive before and just took the most money in Cleveland, but now it's like, well, you know, you got to come in on whatever the veteran minimum is, more or less. I, I would think, um, and he's gonna he's gonna also be looking for work, needing money to pay back whatever he uh, owes the people he <laughs> stole from, or whatever whatever it was, the money that he earned that he wasn't supposed to earn with insider trading. The, the thing that the Vikings really dodged a bullet here, though, guys, because Eric Hendricks was making no money over the last couple of years when this was all going on. And then he signs a $50 million contract this offseason when the whole insider trading thing with his brother is over. So Eric could not get involved. Hmm, interesting. Uh, is Daniel Carlson kicking for his job tonight, sir? Yeah, absolutely he is. I mean, sure, he won the kicking competition, but nobody signed Kai Forbath. And if Daniel Carlson goes out there and misses three field goals again, first of all, I think Mike Zimmer is going to blow his top completely, and I think they'll go get some other kicker. The, the amount of patience that they have for kickers should be extremely low, especially when it's a guy that you don't know uh, what he's going to do in the NFL. You know exactly what Kai Forbath could do in the NFL, and even though he's got some warts, you know, he can't kick it from 65 yards, and he misses extra points every now and then, but he's a darn good kicker, and I think Kai would accept his job back if Daniel Carlson didn't kick well. And what we see is the amount of small sample sizes that these teams work with when it comes to picking their kicker. I mean, Kai Forbath doinks one, and then he's just gone. So why wouldn't they do it the other way around? I mean, at some point... You know, so what if you paid out, uh, you know, a fifth-round pick and, and traded up for the kid? If all of a sudden he wins the kicking competition and then can't handle the pressure after that, then he's got to go and you got to get somebody else. So I, I, I definitely think the pressure is on Daniel Carlson. And if he bounces back and makes a couple field goals, then we will go from there and, and hold our breath. Collar, your thoughts on uh, the Jets trading Teddy to the Saints? And what that means both uh, short-term and long-term uh, for Teddy and his career. Well, I, I thought over the last few weeks that the Saints were a great situation for Teddy Bridgewater because he goes there on a great team where he could be the backup. And if Drew Brees goes down, then he can step right in with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, a great offensive line for the Saints. So he's got you know, playmakers around him if he has to go in and, and gets a, a good opportunity to step in with a Sean Payton offense that, you know, Payton's offenses continue to succeed in the NFL year after year, no matter how long he's been around. And I, I thought Breeze had one of his best seasons last year because of the weapons around him and because of Sean Payton. So if he has to play, he's in a great spot. If he doesn't have to play, he's still in a good spot because Drew Breeze could decide after this that he's going to hang it up, especially if the Saints win the Super Bowl, which I think they definitely could. 
If they win the Super Bowl, I think Breeze is walking away and saying, thanks, everybody. You know, I'm going to go, you know, do Papa John's commercials or whatever Peyton Manning does these days, you know? So, like, um, with Teddy Bridgewater, he would be the heir apparent there. They would probably decide to hand it over to him and re-sign him to a contract if that were to happen. And if not, it just gives Teddy more time to practice, more time to feel comfortable with his health now. Even though he looked really good in the preseason, that's not quite the same as the regular season. And he's still very young. He's only going to be turning 26 years old soon. So uh, you're, you're not talking about a guy whose career is almost over. At this time, Brandon Whedon, I think, was like a freshman in college at the same age. And, and I looked this up. Aaron Rodgers wow. didn't get his first double-digit win season until he was 26 years old. So that mm-hmm. tells you how young Teddy Bridgewater still is. So I think waiting another year behind Drew Brees, playing for a great team, learning still more from Drew Brees, I think that's totally positive for Bridgewater. I've got one word for you, sir. Football. Football, baby. Just football. Football. Football, yeah. Football. Football. One more preseason game, and then the regular season's here. All right, Matthew Collar, thank you. Talk to you later. Thanks, guys. Okay, check out uh, Collar's work. Uh, does a great job covering the Vikings for us, uh, writing in-depth analysis at 1500ESPN.com. Also will join me on Saturday morning from 10 to noon, as I guarantee you, Manny Hill, we will preview cut-down day because we go, we, go <laughs> we go from 90 to 53 on Saturday. I don't think that will come out until late afternoon, early evening, but we will uh, certainly talk about that with the Vikings preseason by that point done. Let's take a break, come back from the State Fair after this. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackie. You know, the one thing that sets Phil apart is Phil's been really good for the game. He takes time out for people. And Judd Zolgad. One of the most well-respected, esteemed journalists. Guy seems to break news before you even knew there was something to break. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd is sponsored by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores. Also a proud sponsor of the beer show. All right, back from the State Fair, uh, Mackie and Judd right now is Judd and Manny Hill, who will return today on the ride with Royce. Of course, it's going to go Garage Logic at 1 o'clock, Sports Talk with uh, Pat and Joe at 3 o'clock, and then the ride at uh, 4 o'clock. Uh, we've got some breaking news here, and it leads me back to a question I've asked for a long time. It's rhetorical by now, and I can't figure it out for the life of me. The question is, why does the NCAA exist? <laughs> this coming from the Associated yeah. Press breaking news. Michigan, Michigan State University says the NCAA has cleared it of any rules violations in the Larry Nasser sexual assault scandal. Honest to God, that's all it says, so I have no more details right now than that. But why does the NCAA exist? It's the most useless, stupid, corrupt waste of time. You've got FIFA, the NCAA, the IOC. None of them should exist. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how it, can you clear Michigan State? I, I I don't know, I don't know. But it, it goes back, and this is a different. It's a different sort of situation. But it's like the North Carolina thing. It's like they, we we spent all those years. You know, I, yes. I always go back. Rashad McCants was on outside what? the lines, and he looked into the camera and said, "I did not write any papers." Yep. I did not go to class. I didn't write any papers. And North Carolina has not been punished for anything. Because Roy Williams, they found the loophole, which I love, 
which was it was a it was a fake class, but students they got fraternity guys I think to say they took the same fake class, mm-hmm. and we found out at that point that if all the student body cheats and participates in said cheating, or not just athletes, then the cheating can't come down on the athletes or the school's athletic programs. Which is why if I... Here's what makes no sense. And I suggested this at the time, and why the Gophers and every other school didn't do this exact thing, I'll never get. If you're Mark Coyle, you call the NCAA. Jan Gangelhoff's dead. You call the NCAA and say... We have talked to, and I don't care who, just get some, get some people who were in school in 97 to come in and say, Jan wrote papers for me. Then you then, if you're Mark Coyle, tell the NCAA, we are going to have, mark your calendars and get here. Because what we're going to do is we are going to re-raise all of the banners celebrating our 1997 run to the Final Four mm-hmm. at Williams Arena. I want you to reinstitute all of the records from that year. We found that three fraternity guys had Gangelhoff, and they had nothing to do with the athletic program, but she wrote papers for them, too. So your punishment of us was misguided, ill-informed, and flat-out wrong, and therefore we will be celebrating, and we fully expect you to be here for it, we will be celebrating the great run to the 97 Final Four. And by the way, bleep you and you hang up. Yeah, and, and, and that's and this, it. And this Michigan State thing, it's just, I mean, we all know, we all understand it's like, one of just the most disgusting, disturbing stories that that have that has been uncovered. Yep. That it and and the fact that it took this many victims for anything to even happen to Larry Nassar to, to to begin with is a shame in itself. And the fact that Michigan State is just not facing any sort of responsibility or facing any sort of repercussions for this is is a shame. And it's like. To your point, what is the point of the NCAA if they're if they're going to go through this and nothing is going to, like, Michigan State's not even getting a slap on the wrist. The point of it's the, not even a slap on the wrist. The point of the NCAA is to be a, a corrupt enterprise that makes as much money as possible and should be disbanded. Yeah, I mean, there's no point to them. FIFA, IOC, NCAA should all be disbanded immediately. There's no need. They're all. If you're if you wake up in the morning, and you and you brush your teeth, and the first thing you think of is, of is what corrupt thing can I do today? You're probably not a productive person, and you don't belong to a productive business. Yeah, well, and and that's what they do. Well, and and it just to me it just seems like they pick and choose who they want to hammer down on. Yeah, they arbitrarily decide who they want to hammer down on. Mm-hmm. And and it, and it's a shame. It it really is. And and I don't I don't understand like how how they can get away with this and how they can just arbitrarily just decide well, who they want to punish and who they want to turn the other cheek to. Why don't I I don't understand? But it's the programs that make the money, right? But why don't the big time Why don't the big time college football programs tell the NCAA, "You're done. We're dropping out. We are professional league," which they are. We're a professional league. They're treated we, as such. We honestly don't care if these kids graduate. We we really deep down we don't care what happens to them as people, but what we care about is we are a feeder system for the National Football League. I'd go to the NFL. I'd cut deals with them to fund me. Do you think of like the Power Five? Yes. The Power. There's five no reason for them. The amateur athletic angle is so ridiculous, and if you believe it, you are beyond naive. And the NCAA now serves no purpose. I would leave the NCAA with a scrap heap of garbage and say, if you want to be in control of this, that's fine. 
but you're out of the football business. You're out of the basketball business. Starting with hockey, and I'm a hockey guy, you can have it. I don't care. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. I, I don't care. But for division, for power football conferences and power men's basketball conferences to be anything but seen as professional is, in 2018, mind-boggling. But do the conferences view the NCAA as beneficial for them? I think that's that's what you have to ask. But I'm saying I think if you eliminated them, if you eliminated them and all their stupid politics and all their silly rules, here here's what I would do. If I was if I was in charge of Division One football tomorrow, power conferences, I would go to EA Sports and all those gamers, and I would say, okay, we're back, we're back, we're going to pay players. I'd be we're, in favor of that. We're going to have the NCAA's out. We don't care what they say. We don't I'd care what that. they do. But I'm in favor of that. I would start right there. And I would say we're going to make every last penny off these kids as much as possible, and we're going to start to compensate them. Mm-hmm. And, and if they show up in Mrs. French's English class, that's great. And if they don't, we also don't care because they think they're going to be pro football players someday. And we are a feeder system, minor league, and that's what we are. And so from now on, we are going to operate like that. Because if you made, if you made the power football conferences a true minor league for National Football League play, it would be the strongest minor league in all of sports immediately. And for goodness sakes. Immediately. And for goodness sakes, if Johnny Manziel wants to make a couple hundred bucks for signing his autograph oh, that's, on a Texas A&M jersey that's for on. somebody, that, that should not be a problem. It should not be a problem. There's nothing wrong with him making a couple hundred bucks for signing his autograph but, on a couple jerseys. And... The NCAA acts like things like that are just the ultimate sin, and we have to punish these kids, and they can't have. I mean, it's just, it, 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 it is ridiculous. I want, I just want college sports to be to be transparent and realistic about their greed. Yeah. And the NCAA does nothing but get in the way of, of that. I mean, we all know what they're doing, but yeah, the Nasser thing is so far beyond sports and so disgusting. But for this group of incompetents to come back and say, "Well, no, no, Michigan State's fine." When that many, when that, when it's that many victims, like, you, you, you can't just, you, you, you can't just not give Michigan State anything. But you, you but can't, you can't punish. But what did you do to Penn State? You took wins away. Right. But why did you but do Penn that? Penn State got a slap on the wrist, they, basically. But Penn, but they punished Penn State because it was football, incredibly high profile, right? Yeah. So, this is to, to your point. Manny, they pick and choose what they do. Mm-hmm. So when it was football and it got a lot of coverage, we're going to crack down on that. But this was sort of gymnastics, gymnastics and stuff, and yeah. it's a minor sport. And, oh, by the way, you're fine. So you're right. This is a picking and choosing of when you deem it to be, from a public relations standpoint, beneficial to you to act like you're the big tough guy. But I don't know how, even from a PR standpoint with, with a situation like this, I don't know how this, how they could think that this doesn't look bad for them. In itself, like I, I don't know I, I just I because this is a terrible. I think they're look. I think they're pretty incompetent. Probably, like I think you, I think your point's a good one. I think they are incompetent enough. They're pompous and incompetent, and that's a really bad combination. Yeah, that's a really bad thing to put together. I just they I, are. I've always likened them. The NCAA is 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 the adult. It's the probably had and i did one friend as a kid whose dad was just a buffoon and he didn't know it you know don't call me mr so-and-so that's my father i'm ted and you're like i'm 10 years old i'm gonna call you mr no you don't have to do that and there was always one adult who's just a buffoon the ncaa is the buffoon yeah
Completely clueless. All right, let's uh, take a break. Come back and uh, let's get let's finish things up by getting to the Vikings kicking situation because <laughs> Patrick Royce is saying something's going to happen to me, and it's absolutely true. We'll do that next. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, wrapping things up. Mackie and Judd is uh, Judd and Manny Geo right around the corner here. All right, let's get to the tweet from uh, our colleague Patrick Royce, who will uh, who will be out here on stage for Sports Talk at 3 o'clock. And then, um, of course, the ride with Royce, which features... Manny Hill and uh, Reavers at four at four o'clock. Uh, here's the tweet from Patrick that he put out there at eleven forty-five this morning. Former Viking coach Brad Childers once said he would celebrate eventful Vikings win by drinking a vodka the size of Judd's head. Please join me in rooting for young Daniel Carlson to miss a couple of chip shots tonight to discover if fifteen hundred ESPN Judd's large head actually will explode on the air on Friday. Uh, I tweeted Patrick that, back. Uh, vodka ready. I tweeted Pat back, and I said, I said, Pat, I said, here's the thing. If Daniel Carlson misses two field goals in tonight's game, Mike Zimmer and I will be highly intoxicated on Friday night. I guarantee it, because cuts don't come till Saturday, and uh, Daniel Carlson will then be cut and, who knows, maybe brought back on the practice squad. You intoxicated with a lot of beer. Mike Zimmer intoxicated with a lot of wine, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He will definitely be uh, be, go, be getting into the wine. The I, I don't think he's a box wine guy. My guess is he's got the real he likes expensive. Red wine, though, yeah, right? the, yeah, yeah, exactly okay. right. But uh, it won't be only me who will be, uh, whose head might spontaneously combust if Daniel Carlson misses, forget two, one more field goal tonight. This is the weirdest thing ever, though, that you, you, you get a guy that comes in, you draft him in the fifth round, you move up to trade him in the fifth round, and then he comes into preseason and he's just been a complete disaster so far. It's really weird. I know it's just a kicker and all that, but... You know, you, it's not like you had a bad one in place already. Kai Forbath had been doing pretty good, even though the the extra points he was missing was kind of annoying. But he had been pretty solid for you. And then you 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 use a draft pick on a on a guy just because he has a big leg. I don't know why this, dry, why draft a kicker, why draft one? Because uh, there's a there's a lot of reasons potential reasons why. You would actually have to get Rick to lay down Spielman on a couch with his shrink to find out. But it might be to overcome the ghost of Blair Walsh. It might be to justify that pick by saying. But the incredible thing is Blair Walsh and Carlson are largely the same person. SEC kickers struggled in their last year of college. Uh, Mike Prefer, the special teams coordinator, convinces you in both cases, I can can fix him, I can fix him. I don't get it. it. If you wanted to move on from four bath to max you could have you just got to sign a veteran so i i don't know i can't answer the question this to me the fact they didn't take a guard or trade up to get a guard is befuddling but this one but hey let's go this one kicker. this one's the biggest one i don't get <laughs> i don't get why you would you want to go to a super bowl forget the offensive yeah. line let's get a kicker again it makes no sense. All right, we are done. Uh, back tomorrow at 9 a.m. Garage Logic up next. Thanks for listening, everybody.